Every, uh, every time we get together, it's, a, it's an awesome day, but, but guys, today is, is just a, a really exciting day. If you're new or visiting, you, you picked a great one to start with, guys. But uh, if you are new, my name is Rob. Uh, I'm one of the pastors here at, at Dachshund. We're, we're so glad that you're here, part of our, our family gathering. Um, we got some baptisms to celebrate today, guys. There we go. That was one of those things I'm like, I'm really hoping people are excited about that. It's just going to be awkward if I, you know... But uh, along with the baptisms, guys, I got, I got to tell you something um, pretty significant, guys. God did it. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? Guys, God met that forward campaign goal through your generosity, you guys. So we, got, we met that $300,000 goal. Guys, that is great. Guys, God has been paving the way. For, if you're new, you're like, what are you guys forward? Okay, we are in the process of, of getting a building to make for ourselves a permanent home here in Madison. And our, we have this audacious goal to raise $300,000 to get us into that building. And as of, I think, Thursday or Friday, we, we hit that goal. And so, guys, it's, let me just say a couple things. One, thank you, guys. Like, the sacrifice and the generosity of our church is just incredible, and it's an honor to be part of this with you guys. Also, number two, if, if you guys haven't fulfilled your pledge, I guess we can put it, um, you can go to that website and do that. But guys, it's, it's an awesome thing. This is, this is going to be so fun to, to see what God's going to do through this building, and, and uh, as we march forward with it, it's, I don't even know what to say about it outside of, I'm excited, so I'm just going to stop talking about it, okay? But exciting times in, in the life of, of our church, okay? And along with all this, I'm going to put something else on your radar that's really exciting. I think it's going to be one of the more significant things in the, the life of DOXA that we do. In a few weeks, all right, starting on October 27th, we're going to be starting a, a, a four-week class called Gospel 101, all right? And, and Gospel 101 is this. Is it's really just this course that's, that's a great starting point for, for someone who's exploring the Christian faith. And, and maybe you still have a lot of unanswered questions, but it's also for someone who's been maybe studying and, and researching and reading the Bible for decades. All right? That if the gospel is kind of like a, a body of water, then it's simultaneously like shallow and simple enough for, for a child to just like splash around and play in. Yet it's also deep enough that none of us have ever explored the bottom. All right, and so Gospel 101 is, is going to be this opportunity for us to really just explore both ends of the spectrum. And we're going to be telling you more about this in the weeks to come. But you can get more information on that on our website at docsmadison.com. You can RSVP, save your seat. It's going to be, guys, it's going to be so good. So with all that being said, this morning we, we begin our study of the book of Acts. All right, it's going to take us right around nine months to, to get through. And I'm really excited, guys, to see what God is going to do in the life of Docs as we get into this, this great book of Acts. So go ahead and grab your Bible, open up to the book of Acts, chapter one. If you don't have a Bible, guys, one of the things that we do is, is we just open the Bible together and, and seek to hear from God and, and ask for the power to respond to him in an effort that we can become the men and women that God has, has created us to be. So we'd love to give you one. You can grab one on the welcome table on your way out. But as you get to Acts chapter one, I'll, I'll tell you this, okay? Acts is, is really just the, the source book for the history of the church and, and early Christianity. All right? And here's how you can think of the book of Acts, okay? It's really just the, the chronicle of the spreading flame. All right, this, the spreading flame that is the gospel and the church, which has completely transformed the course of the history of our world. And throughout Acts, guys, we, we get to watch how the early church was started. We get to watch how the early church grow while we soak in the, the overall theme of the book, which is the ministry and the work of the Holy Spirit of God. And what we're going to see in Acts, guys, is this beautiful continuation from the Gospel of Luke, which we just got done studying last year. All right, because I want you to consider this, okay? In the Gospels, we see Jesus giving his life for the plan of salvation. In Acts, we see him giving his power 
so that we can continue what he started. In the Gospels, we see the seeds of the early church. All right, in Acts, we see the growth and the works of the early church. The Gospels tell us of the, the sacrifice and the, the resurrection of Jesus. Acts tells us of his ascension and his exaltation and his mission. All right, the Gospels present to us the, the perfect man who is Jesus, who is our perfect model for the Christian life. In Acts, we're told how imperfect men and women live out the Christian life. And so guys, Acts is this book of great importance for every single one of us. And as we journey through this book, okay, the book of Acts is going to have a message for every single one of us here, regardless of your age or regardless of, of where you would say you're on your journey with God. That Acts is going to really just show you how to make your life count. Right? It's going to show you how to, how to take hold of the life that you were created for. It's going to show you how to take hold of the life that you desire, which is full of excitement and meaning and joy and ultimately purpose. All right, and it's this, this great history book, which is all about God's mission in our world. And today, as we get into chapter one, we in, get introduced to three things. All right, if you're a note taker, you can write this down right in the column of your Bible next to Acts chapter one. A person, a power, and a purpose. All right, this is what we're going to see. So let's get into this, okay? Acts chapter one, verse one, introduces us to the person. All right, and what we're going to see is, is in the first 11 verses of Acts chapter 1, Jesus is either mentioned explicitly or pointed directly to in each of these verses. So it's all about Jesus, but this is what we see. In the first book, O Theophilus, I dealt with all that Jesus began to do and teach. I want you to underline that in your Bible. All that Jesus began to do and teach until the day he was taken up after he had given commands through the Holy Spirit. And throughout this series, guys, we're going to be talking a lot about the Holy Spirit, how, how God gives us the Holy Spirit to empower us to continue what Jesus started. Listen to this. To the apostles whom he had chosen, he presented himself alive to them after his sufferings by many proofs. I want you to circle many proofs in your Bible. Appearing to them 40 days and speaking about the kingdom of God. Okay, so a few things that, that you just need to know about this, okay? The first thing is this, is that the author of Acts, who is Luke, he talks about his first book. And when he speaks of this first book here, he's speaking of the Gospel of Luke. And so the book of Acts is, is basically the sequel to the Gospel of Luke. And it's important for us to know that in the Gospel of Luke, Jesus, he, he shows us how he gives us his life. Luke is now going to show us how, how Jesus gives us his power through the person and the presence of the Holy Spirit. All right, so we have the same author, and he's writing to tell us the history of Jesus, the history of Jesus' people, and the mission of Jesus and his people who are the church. That's the first thing. Now, the second thing that we need to notice is what Luke says he's basing everything on. All right, take a look back. He says that it's all about what Jesus began to do and teach. This is so significant, okay? Acts is gonna build off of all of this. All right, it really around this idea of everything that Jesus began to do and teach. And so what we need to do as we get into Acts is actually go backwards into the gospel of Luke and see what it is that what did Jesus actually begin to do? And what did, he, what did he teach? And this is so important for us, okay? Especially, guys, especially for us here in our city of, of Madison. The, the great uh, theologian John Calvin, he called this the holy knot. All right, that like tying your shoes, you have two ends of a lace, you tie it together. This is like that. All right, Jesus' works and Jesus' words, they, they go together like a, a holy knot. And here's why this is so significant for us, Okay? Because when it comes to the man Jesus, there are so many people that love Jesus' works. 
And you read the Bible and you, and you see Jesus and, and you're doing things and you're like, man, I really, I really like that. He's, he's kind, right? He's, he's really into like social reform. He's, he's helping the helpless. He's, he's loving people. He's, he's caring. He's giving. He's elevating women. I, I like that. And many people, if not like everyone in our world, they don't have a problem with that. They, they look at that and you say, you know what? That's, that's great. I love that. That really, there's really no controversy over Jesus's works, today. But it's Jesus's words that tend to get people kind of fired up. In fact, that's what got Jesus killed. It wasn't his works, it was his words. That people don't have a problem with Jesus until he begins to speak. And then they, they hear Jesus say things like, I'm God. And he says, I'm the savior of the world. He says things like, no one comes to the father except through me. He says that I'm the way and the truth and the life. And this causes problems in, in many people, especially in our, in our culture today. But here's what Luke is saying, guys. He's saying, you can't separate Jesus' words and his works. And this is the foundation that Luke is basing the book of Acts on. And so when it comes to Jesus' works, here's what we can see. I'm going to give you like three things that basically constitute, that make up Jesus' works. All right, in Luke 23... We see that Jesus lived like a sinless life, that he was, he was perfect. He wasn't just a good man, he was the God man. He lived a perfect life. In Luke 24, at the end of Luke 24, we, we see that Jesus died. And as he died, he died an atoning death for our sins in our place. And then again in Luke 24, we see that he was buried in the grave and then he resurrected and came back to life. This is really kind of like makes up like the epicenter of, of Jesus' works while he was alive here on earth. But when Luke speaks of Jesus' words, all right, in addition, right, this holy knot of this is what Jesus did. Now, here's what Jesus said, a couple things that Jesus said. In Luke 22, Jesus said that he is God. And I know that some of us, like, we, we've been told and you've been taught that, that Jesus actually never declared himself to be God. Guys, this is just not true. Jesus said clearly and emphatically and repeatedly that he is God. This is why they killed him. In Luke chapter 7, Jesus says that he forgives sin and he brings people to God. Jesus says in, in Luke 18 that in him is where we find eternal life. Now, guys, here is why I spend any amount of time on this, okay? Because what tends to happen, I already kind of talked about it, but what tends to happen is, is people will look at Jesus and they'll agree and like everything that he did, but they'll disagree with what he said. But Luke says, listen to what Jesus said and watch what he does because it actually validates everything that he said and proves it to be true. And the most important work that Jesus did, guys, was his resurrection from the dead. Look back at verse three, all right? He presented himself alive to them after his suffering by many proofs, appearing to them. All right, that Jesus was killed, he was buried, and then he came back to life and he proved his claim that he was, in fact, God. And guys, here's how this relates, okay? Here's the, here's the truth about me, guys. I believe what Jesus said because of what Jesus did. All right, that I don't really follow Jesus because of what he said. I follow Jesus because of what he did. That I'm not a Christian, all right, because what Jesus said. Because to be honest with you, there's a lot of people throughout the history of the world that have said a lot of great things. And if I followed them, my life might turn out all right in the here and now. But I follow Jesus because he said that he would be killed and raised back from the dead, and he actually did it. Because this is what the Apostle Paul speaks to in, in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. That Paul basically says that if Jesus didn't raise back from the dead, if Jesus didn't come back to life, then we as Christians 
We're the most foolish and pathetic people in the world and everything we do and everything we believe in is an absolute joke and this, this building that we're wasting a bunch of money on, we need to just destroy it or give it away. It's all a joke. But Paul says, if Jesus did raise from the dead, then we have the most important message, the most important truth in the world. And if this is actually true, if Jesus did raise from the dead, then what that means is that, guys, every single one of us needs to come to Jesus today because he's God and it's the point of our lives. And Luke tells us here that, that Jesus did, in fact, raise from the dead and he appeared for 40 days and he did a many miracles and proofs. And so you go back into to Luke's gospel and you say, okay, well, what were these proofs? And we, we see that, that Jesus, after he came back to, to life, he, he ate with people, he hung out with people, he showed them his scars and his wounds, and right? He's doing all these, he's with people after he died, like really convincing proofs, right? You don't even have to be like, a, like an astrogenetics major at UW. I don't even know if that's an actual major, right? But it sounds like, I talked to some of our salt company students and they're like, what are you majoring? They're like, astrogenetics, I'm like, I don't know, right? I was an education major, okay? <laughs> Teachers are fine, okay? <laughs> right, but these are like really, really convincing proofs. And, and guys, I, I point this out because I want to point out anytime I can that this is a historical reality. And I'll, and I'll say this. Some of you, if you've ever studied history, if you've ever taken world history classes at the university or read history books, you've surely read across a, a guy named Sir William Ramsey. All right, Sir William Ramsey was one of the most famous scholars of, of world history he was known and respected all over the world as a historian, and he doubted the historicity and the accuracy of Luke and Acts. He just thought it was like made up and contrived. And so what he did is he decided to give some of his life to studying the historical accuracy of the, the Gospel of Luke in the book of Acts. And here's what he discovered. Right, he came to the conclusion, and I quote, Luke's history is unsurpassed in regards to its trustworthiness. He used names of officials and very specific details and people as he searched it out, and it's emphatically true and reliable. Because you, you need to know this, that this is like not just like overly spiritual people looking for a reason to believe, but this is actual history, that it happened, it was verified, right? And, and Luke presents to us his gospel and acts in an accurate historical way, that it happened. And in Luke, he, he writes in his first paragraph in the Gospel of Luke, he says, Theophilus, I'm writing to give you certainty of everything that Jesus did. Because you can have certainty in who Jesus is, what he said, and what he did, because it's accurate. It's historically verifiable. And we can listen to what he said, and we can see what he did. And so Jesus is killed. He comes back to life. He hung out for 40 days. And many people, they saw this and they testified to it. And then after 40 days, Luke shows us what happens as a result of the resurrection. And this is where we are going to learn of a power. All right? Remember, I told you that it opens up with a person. We just discovered that this is Jesus. It's always about Jesus. And now he shifts gears a little bit, and Luke says it's about a power. Look at verse 4. And while staying with them, this is Jesus, he ordered them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait. I want you to circle Wait. Wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, you heard from me, for John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. Go down to verse 8. But you will receive power, circle power, when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all of Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. Guys, there's so many important things, but let me just start off by, by saying this, guys. 
Jesus' life and his love and his power are not to be just examined, but they're to be experienced. That we can all come here. You don't even have to be a Christian. But you can be an atheist and come here and sit here and open up the Bible and you can examine the life of Jesus. You can examine the love of Jesus. You can examine the power of Jesus. But only a Christian through faith can experience the life, the love, the power, and the purpose of Jesus. And this is so important because so many people, likely somebody here today, we try to live the Christian life without Jesus. That some people will go to church. Maybe we'll even go to Bible study. Right? And we'll, we'll try and clean up our lives. And we're, we're examining, we're seeing the life and the love and the power of God. And, you, and, you're, and you're going through the motions, you're, you're going through these like religious kind of endeavors and, and things, but you've missed the whole point. That you're doing it without Jesus. Because this was, was me. Like, I, I remember when God started like, opening my eyes up my senior year in college, and wanting to try and like grow with, with God and, and do all this stuff. So I started getting around and I started hanging out with God's people and I started going to church and Bible study and, and I was learning a lot. And I remember looking at people around me and being like, what do they have that I don't have? Like I, I'm looking at them and there's clearly a difference between me and them. What is it? It's because they have experienced the love and the power of Jesus through faith as the first most important step in a life for Jesus is coming to Jesus in faith. Some of you, you need to do this today. But it's then that Jesus empowers you through the Holy Spirit to live for, like, and with him. And guys, I've been praying, like as I've been preparing for this, that today would be that day for somebody in here. That you would come to Jesus. You'd stop sitting here week after week and examining the love of God and that you would finally experience the love of God. And that will change everything about you. It changes everything about a person. And you've likely seen this, right? You've likely seen people in your family or friends or people around you that they, they come to Jesus and they're just radically changed. And there's really only two explanations, right? Either they just had like a serious mental breakdown and they went crazy, or they experienced God in a way that they're never the same. This is what Jesus does. Jesus saves and he empowers and he changes through the person in the presence of the Holy Spirit. But have you guys done this? Have you, have you seen those people? Have you been around those people that you look at them and maybe you even read the Bible and you look at, how did Jesus do that? Like, how did he live like a perfect life? Or you look at people in this church, you look at your connection group leader, maybe your grandma's a Christian, right? And she's knitting doilies all the time, but she's super loving and you, and you look at her, right? And you say, How? How does, he, how does that person do that? Like, how do they love people like that? How do they keep themselves from sin? How does he treat his wife like that? How does he have the patience? And you say, how do they do that? Guys, I want you to know it's not because they're superhuman, but they have a supernatural power through the presence of the Holy Spirit through faith in Jesus. This is what the Holy Spirit does. Now, I want you to notice something. After Jesus rises from death, guys, everybody, just imagine, put yourself in that position, right? You're following Jesus and you're pretty sure that he's God. He's saying all these things and he rises back from the dead and you're just like freaking out. You're like, oh my gosh, like we were totally right. Like, what do we do now? Come on, like, what do we, what do, we do, right? And you look back what Jesus says, verse four. 
So they're asking like, okay, well, what now? And Jesus says in verse four, he ordered them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father. You will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. Jesus says, before you do anything, wait. Because I want you to know this, okay? The Christian life, a life for Jesus, cannot be lived apart from Jesus' power. That we just need to get this, that the Christian life isn't something that I live for God, but the Christian life is that God lives for and through me, through the presence and the power of the Holy Spirit. And if we miss this, if we miss this, guys, we're going to miss the book of Acts. So Jesus dies. He comes back to life. He tells his people, before you go tell everyone what I have done, wait. He says, don't go and do ministry yet. You can't do it on your own. You need power. And the Holy Spirit is going to come very soon and help you to be like me and to do the things that I've done. And we're going to see this in just a few weeks as we get into Acts chapter 2 with Pentecost, right? And it's just going to be this crazy thing of what the Holy Spirit does. It'll be fire and wind, and we're going to have a fun time teaching through that, right? Everybody's like, what the heck is that about? We're going to talk about it, okay? But guys, you need to know this, that Jesus isn't just an example for us. Jesus is the one that empowers us to live out his example. And this is what the Holy Spirit does. But here's the point, guys. All of this empowerment of the Holy Spirit is for God's mission in our world. It's not to just make you like a really good person, right? But it's, it's really intensely for Jesus' mission. It's to conform you to the image of Jesus. Romans 8, 29, that we would be conformed to the image of Jesus so we can live like him and be with Jesus and be like Jesus for the sake of the world. And when we talk about God's mission, guys, there's so much. I mean, there's been thousands of pages written, hundreds of books about the mission of God. But when we talk about God's mission, we can boil it down to two things, Jesus and people. People meeting Jesus because Jesus loves people. This is the mission. This is what our church is is ultimately all about. And this is what the Holy Spirit empowers us to be part of. So we see this. We see this person of Jesus this power of the Holy Spirit that allows us to continue what Jesus started. And this moves us to the last thing that we see in Acts chapter 1, 1 through 11, is this, a purpose. Looking again at verse 8. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses. Because here's our, here's our purpose. This is the mission. This is how we fit into the story of God that the Holy Spirit comes and allows us to be witnesses on Jesus' mission in Jerusalem and all of Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And guys, verse eight of Acts chapter one should be highlighted, underlined, and starred in every single one of our Bibles. It's the key verse in the book of Acts. It's the outline, the blueprint of the the book of Acts, but it's also Jesus' last spoken words while on earth. All right, and with that being said, if this is his last words, there's like a, there's like a weight in a, in a sense of urgency with this. And it really, it just suggests that Jesus' words here should be just echoing through the ages in the minds of God's people. Because he's laying out the mission of the church. And guys, we just need to be clear on this. And this is what our church, because this is what I've been praying for Doxa, that, that we would grab hold of this. Because we need to grab hold of this if we hope to be the church that Jesus wants us to be, if we hope to continue what Jesus started here in Madison and beyond Madison for the sake of the world. 
that Luke is going to point everything back to this mission. He's going to remind us throughout this entire book that this is the point that Jesus is making. It's coming to Jesus and helping people come to Jesus. And he uses this language of witness, right? 39 times in the book of Acts, he uses this word of witness. And here's what I want to tell you about this this word of, of witness, all right? This witness is a witness of of simplicity, right? The good news of the gospel, guys, is incredibly simple. God came to earth as the man Jesus. He lived the perfect life. He died an atoning death for my sin, which separated me from God. He was resurrected, and he's alive, and he will come back to restore everything to perfection before, like it was before sin came into the world. We put our faith in him. He takes our sin. We receive forgiveness, eternal life, salvation. This is the gospel. The gospel is incredibly simple. But I want you to hear this. While the message is simple, the requirement on the messenger, the witness, is not simple at all because it goes to the very being and the depth of who we are. And so I'll ask you this question, guys. What does it mean to be a witness? I mean, how would, how, would you, how would you explain that? Like, how would these people here, like, understand, like, what does it mean to actually be a witness? And here's what I think. Go back to verse 1. Luke says, all that Jesus did and taught. This is what it means. This is what being a witness is, is all about. That these people would have understood that that as they followed Jesus, they were now supposed to go and to be like Jesus and to continue what Jesus started. And so the things that, that mark Jesus's life should, should mark our lives. And so we look at Jesus. What marked Jesus's life? Jesus had the word, right? The gospel. He had the truth of the message of the gospel. He had a life that backed it up, that he was perfect, And he was full of passion, which drove his mission to love and to save people. And so if we are Christians, this should be the same stuff that marks our lives, that we have the gospel, that we have the word of God in our lives. And we're to present this gospel to the world, the people whom God loves. But hear this, guys. In addition to this, we also need a life that validates the gospel. We have to have this inward validity of us. In other words, when we have the word, it has to be substantiated and made real and understandable to the world around us by the way that we live our lives towards people. Jesus says in Matthew chapter 5, verse 16, let your light shine before men that they may see your good works and what? Glorify your Father. Because I want you to know this about your life. Your lives will either cause people to dismiss Jesus or honor Jesus. And so this is a good place for us to just stop and like even reflect on how, how are you living? Like, is your life saying the right thing about God? The sad part is that many Christians, it's no. And that doesn't mean that we, we are perfect, but that means that we're the first ones that confess and repent when we're not. Are your lives saying the right thing about God? Let me give you a practical example of this, okay? I don't know if I have time for this, but I'm gonna do it. I get to honor Ronnie here for a second. You guys know Ronnie. If you don't know Ronnie, Ronnie is one of the, Ronnie is great. There you go. He's one of the elders of our, our church. And I met Ronnie as a, um, a freshman in college at Bowling Green State University. He was playing football. I was uh, working for a church and helping lead a church there. But met him as a freshman, um, 
started following Jesus as a freshman. I don't know if I have ever seen anybody like intensely follow Jesus like, like he did. Like he was just like, just did everything I said. He's like, what do you think I should do now? I became a Christian. I'm like, you should probably read the Bible. And then he was like, okay. I'm like, I want you to read the whole Bible. We're going to read the whole Bible this summer. Right? And he, we did it. I had this like Bible reading plan that was like 30 chapters a day. Like just ridiculous. I didn't even finish it, but he did. Like, right? But, but so he starts following Jesus. He's growing in godliness. And he's just living as a student athlete for the next four years on campus. And I remember watching his life and he was changing. He, I mean, Romans 8.29, being conformed to the image of Jesus, it was happening. I was watching him. And so was everybody else on his team. And I remember, guys, I remember watching the football team at Bowling Green State University slowly begin to change. Because people were compelled to know Jesus because of the life that Ronnie was living. He was showing them Jesus with his life. So he had the word. He had the gospel and he was presenting it, but he had the inward validity of his life, like the godliness that substantiated that word. And people saw it and they were compelled to know this Jesus that he was following. Because, and I don't know how many people came to Jesus throughout the course of his time on that football team, but it was a lot. And that team totally changed. Guys, this is part of what it means to be a witness that your life looks something like Jesus in a way that turns people's heads and be like, what is, what is that about? It's not just about information, but it's about living out the information like Jesus. And this is what the Holy Spirit empowers us to do. And this is all projected. I want you to hear this. This is all projected like a megaphone by the passion that the gospel gives in the lives of, of men and women who believe it. Like if you, you read the Bible, right? You see Peter at Pentecost, he's preaching, he's passionate Right? He, he gets it. He's, he's learning it. He's, he's saying it. People are listening to him. He's, he's full of passion. You look at Stephen. As he's, before he gets stoned, he's this, this great speech. He's, he's passionate and he's just like going after it. And, and people are looking at him. And they're like wondering what is going on here. Men like John Wesley. I don't know if you know John Wesley, an early theologian. He was troubled by the fact that there weren't men in the church. And so what he did is he went to these coal mines where all the men worked and he just started preaching. And shortly after that, guys, thousands of men, these coal miners, these rough dudes who cared nothing about Jesus were coming out and they were listening to him. And somebody grabbed him and said, how are you getting these men to listen to you? And John Wesley said something that I'll never forget. He said, I just go and light myself on fire and people come to watch me burn. Passion. He's passionate. There's a story of an ancient philosopher and, and skeptic, David Hume, who came one time to hear George Whitfield preach at 5 a.m. in a church. And someone saw him and said, I thought you don't believe the gospel. And David Hume said, I don't, but he does. And I want to hear it. Guys, there's passion. And this passion, guys, can be expressed in so many different ways. But passion really demands that we ask a question, and it's this. Do I really believe that this is all true? Do you, Doxa? Do you really believe that this is true? Because guys, when we believe to our core all that Jesus did and taught, Jesus and his mission become the most important aspect of our lives. That my faith and my walk with Jesus in the church moves from a component of my life to the very center of my life, which changes everything. So this is the prime reality that Jesus wants for us to be his witness 
Now I want you to look. This is how we're going to end. Verse 9, the story continues. And when he had said these things, as they were looking on, he was lifted up and a cloud took him out of their sight while they were gazing into heaven as he went. Behold, two men stood by them in white robes and said, okay, these are angels, right? Men of Galilee, why do you stand looking into heaven? This Jesus who was taken up from you into heaven will come in the same way as you saw him go into heaven. And guys, this is, I mean, I'll be honest with you, this is quite honestly one of those passages in the Bible you read and you're like, wait, what? Like, Jesus just like floated away, right? <laughs> like kind of like this weird moment. If you put yourself in that, like you just read that and you're like, okay, that makes sense. He floated back. Like, really? These guys are like talking to Jesus and be like, hey, how's your day going? And just like floats away like a balloon, right? And it's just like, and apparently, right, they're, they're standing there, they're looking at each other for a while and they're just, picture this moment. Like the disciples are kind of like, like, Anybody, like, got any ideas? Like, I mean, it's not, it's like, I'm not, it's not working. Like, I'm not floating. I don't, I don't know what's going on, right? And they're standing there long enough, right? And they're looking up into heaven. They're, they're, they're standing there for a long enough time that two angels show up, and they're like, hey, snap out of it. Snap out of it. He's gonna come back, but it's gonna be a while, Okay. And he tells them, here's what I need you to do. I just need you to listen to Jesus and do what he told you to do. What did he tell you to do? Be my witnesses. Go into the world. Go into your families. Go into your neighborhood. Go into your friend group. Go into your workplaces. Go into your classroom. And tell everyone that Jesus is alive and Jesus loves them. Be my witnesses. Now, guys, here's the problem with this. I think that many Christians are still standing there looking into heaven. They're just standing there looking up. You want to know what that looks like today? We just sit here. We stare at the screens and we just listen. And we just sit. And we think that this is like the example this is what it means to be a witness, is that I, I go to church. When you forget that, like, you are the church. But we, this is like the equivalent of, of us just standing and, and looking into heaven. We just kind of sit in the seats and think that this is the prime meaning for my existence in the world today, is I need to be in the church. And you sit there faithfully every single day. Guys, this is not what it means to be a witness this is not the main thing that Jesus is teaching. This is not the main thing of Acts. Guys, we don't exist at Doxa to stand around and look up and sit down and look out. But we go by the presence and the power of the Holy Spirit to be his witness. And I want you to think about this, guys. You would not be sitting here if someone didn't come and witness to you. Somebody moved towards you. They got out of the seat and they moved towards you with the word, with the love of God, with a life that said something right about God in a passion that they actually believed it and they gave it to you in such a way that you were like, what is going on here? And if you're a Christian, something happened. God opened up your eyes and he radically transformed your life. Because this series is about all of us hearing from Jesus, experiencing Jesus, and living out our call to witness for Jesus, carrying out his mission by the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit for the sake of the world so that people can say yes to Jesus. This is our purpose. Guys, here's the big idea. Write this down. Jesus empowers you to continue what he started. And here's the awesome part of this, guys. As we, as we start this series today, 
we get to be visually reminded that, that when God's people do this, guys, incredible things happen. You know that? Incredible things happen. Salvation happens. And this is what baptism is all about. And this is why this is such a celebration, guys. We get to watch. Like, this isn't just a, a, a static history book, right, that, that we're just gonna sit here and, and learn from and it doesn't do anything, right? But this is like God and his power and his presence living in God's people, going out into the world, sharing this message and people being changed. And baptism is, is really just that, all right? So we're gonna have some people get baptized, guys, all right? And here's what we're gonna be seeing. Yeah, who said woo? That was good. Here you go. One person's paying attention. That's awesome, okay? But here's, here's what's happening in baptism. Baptism is, is really just a, an outward expression of an inward reality, that these people have already said yes to Jesus. They've heard what Jesus has said. They've seen him do what he's done, and they said, I'm in. And they've asked Jesus to come into their life, to take their sin, and to bring them to God. And so they are saved, they're in the family of God. Today, what they're doing is they're really just demonstrating to a world, hey, I'm following Jesus. You can think of this as like, as really just a wedding ring, right? That this wedding ring, it doesn't make me married, but it shows the world that I am married. This is what baptism is, right? And, and baptism is this, this reason to celebrate, or to celebrate, guys, because Jesus is alive and well. He's doing things, he's saving people, and we get to participate in it. And so here's the imagery, right? When they go down under the water, it's Romans chapter six, like being buried with Christ. We're dying to our sin. We're dying to our old nature. And then when we come up out of the water, it's this picture of 2 Corinthians chapter five. If anyone is in Christ, behold, they're a new creation. They've been born again, right? They come up out of the water. It's this picture, Jesus making them new, and we celebrate. And so the way that this works here at Doxa, if you haven't been around, we listen to stories. We give glory to God. We dunk them. And the minute they come out of the water, guys, that's where you guys start screaming, throwing chairs, doing whatever you got to do, right? Because this is, if there's any reason to celebrate, right? The Badgers won, but Jesus is alive and he's doing stuff. And we got the kids here and they're going to watch this. Come on up here, guys. So one of the things that our church that we love, I'll say this while the kids get up here, is we're about the next generation. We love the next generation, and not just to entertain them down and dox the kids, but to disciple them, to teach them about the Bible. And so what an awesome opportunity for our kids, the next generation of Madison, to be up here watching the power of God through the presence and the, the mission of the Holy Spirit to transform lives, all right? This is awesome. So I'm gonna pray, and then we're gonna get to get into this. God, thank you for all these people that we're gonna see, they're just gonna stand up here and do what Psalm 107 too says, just let the redeemed of the Lord say so. They're just gonna say what you've done in their life and we get to watch it through baptism. So encourage us today and we ask this in Jesus' name, amen.